Stay tuned for a special presentation. Stick to sports. The stick to sports era is officially over. <laughs> And now for something completely different. Zero Niner, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency, 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector, over. What? Flight 209er, clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now at radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Huh? Who? I was in the Air Force, stationed in Drambui, off the Barbary Coast. story that immediately made me think of you was the idiot on the wing in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it cracked me up. And I was like, oh man, I've got to get Tim yeah, in yeah. the van cast <laughs> to talk airplane shit because that was just wild. Now, before I get to that idiot, yeah. here's one thing that has forever baffled me about airplanes uh-huh. and aviation. You ready? Yeah. On the wings mm-hmm. and on parts of these aircraft, they have oftentimes stenciled. Yeah. No step. Yeah. Why the fuck do you need to tell anyone, Tim, <laughs> that is in charge yeah. of maintaining yeah, an yeah. aircraft where to step right? and where not to step? What goddamn monkeys are on these planes that are like, oh, clonk, clonk, clonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this okay? Yeah, is this Why bad? does it say no step? It's the aircraft equivalent of no pickle. No yeah. pickle games. Yeah, exactly. No, That's no, exactly right. Or no soft toss. What's the, what do they say? Uh, what's the game? They, they have the oh, stencil yeah. letters. They would have it in the ballparks yeah. up against the back of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or, or like in store, or like buildings now, they have no exit. Well, no shit. <laughs> yep, so and they put they it on say, every door. So the word exit's on every door now. So why do they say no step? Probably from like some dumbass new hire yep. getting there and, you know, the guy, hey, go change the light bulb on the end of that wing. <laughs> and the guy like goes traipsing across and they don't want him to either step there or emergency what- evacuation. Right, so they don't want passengers coming out. Do you really think in an emergency evacuation, passengers are going to look down? Oh, boy. Nope. No, I, they're not. I can't step here, so let me gingerly <laughs> No, they are step not. <laughs> but they're it, stepping on other passengers. Yeah, it's a lawyer thing. Plane. You know, hey, you stupid fuckers. You know, you didn't read the sign that protected your life, and you, you know, poked a hole in the gas tank of the crashed airplane. All right, I got fellow Percival resident Tim Baggett in the uh, van tonight. We have talked over the years. Tim was kind enough. To bring me an actual com- combat or mission flown. It would be not be combat. It would. It be was combat flown. Yeah, combat flown American flag mm-hmm. from Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. That's yeah. a really cool thing. It's downstairs, Mike. Nice basement. Yeah, it's great. Uh, when you were flying as an Army warrant officer, right? This one was. Uh, or were was you a- doing U.S. Custom stuff? No, this was. I was a contractor with a company called L Three. Okay, and we did uh, support to special ops, uh, like. Delta Force, uh, SEAL Team Six, or any of the other myriad of you know Ooh. special ops guys there. What we were, were the, you flying? A uh, King Air three hundred and fifty, okay, or an MC twelve in Air Force parlance, which is what we were. Air, we were Air Force contractors, okay. and we're just you know hired guns. Come up there, fly. You're the eye in the sky, and then that way they can. There's a guy in the ground called a uh, JTAC. I, I I don't remember what it stands for. Joint Tactical Air Controller, I think. All right. And so they're with the teams, and the JTACs are sitting there with a screen, like a little portable handheld screen, and you're downlinking what you're seeing to them. 
So what were you carrying around for our guys, our boys and girls in the desert over there? That's well, that classified. Yeah, there's a bunch of classified, like you know, <laughs> intel gathering stuff. Right. But the stuff that they, the guys on the ground, all these teams that were going in. Look at this thing. This this uh, King Air 360 at Beechcraft. Yeah. It's just it's a two engine prop. Yeah. How'd you get those over there? You fly. I mean, you stop a zillion times, you know. I was going to say, how many time, How many stops does it take to get oh, geez, a King that Air thing? 360 over there? I thought they would have put them in the belly of an even bigger plane. No, no, not with those, because you can't take fit. the wings off. I mean, if you yeah. do, it's such a big chore to take right. them off. Well, unlike a Blackhawk, which I flew too, okay. then you just fold the blades, All right, and you so stuff them in a C-17 you know, C- or something. And bring you them flew Blackhawks in the Army? Mm-hmm. Uh, you were and in the Army customs. for, okay. And uh, how many aircraft have you flown? Oh, God. Total. 50 or No, fewer? it's probably 20. a 20, 10, okay. 20, something like that. Copters and mm-hmm. obviously jets, mm-hmm. right? And King Airs. And King Airs. What's the coolest plane or aircraft you've flown? I kind of like that MC-12. I, I like I like doing the uh, all that, you know, the uh, the eye in the sky stuff. Okay. And that's what we did at Customs. I was a surveillance guy up in New York for about 10 years. And that's all I did is follow cars around. Really? All day long, all day, every day. Queens so is the money laundering capital of the country. Nobody knows that. And so there's... there's you said t- the MC-12. So that's a, that's a King Air, the Speech King Air. If you type in MC-12, you get a better look. Like the one in the picture I sent you. Okay. Oh, I see it, yeah. A little yeah. sleeker version. Beechcraft yeah. C-12. Lumps all over it with antennas and you know sensor equipment. So you were up in the air circling mm-hmm. as our customs people were keeping an eye on drug dealers, bad guys, yeah. arms guys, guys you don't even want to know about. Yeah, like in New York, it was all money launderers. The, the vast uh, majority is money launderers and drug smugglers. Okay. And so, for instance, before I left there uh, and retired to go fly for Continental, which didn't work out because it was the beginning of 2001. Yeah. So I lasted nine months. Nine eleven happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very bad timing. So uh, the last case we did up there, it was the Apex. This uh, the, uh, Her name was Monica. I don't know what her last name was. But we found this girl. We were, you know, just picking up money launderers. And the way you would typically do it is you'd uh, watch one of their usual haunts where they would have meets at. Yeah. And it was like uh, like guys picking up prostitutes. It was the same kind of thing. You know, you you have a couple of cars set up outside there, and then this person's walking up and down the street, pulling a suitcase behind them. In the suitcase is five hundred thousand dollars. Your airplane. Mm-hmm. What was it? You couldn't see them from the airplane, could you? Well, we had a we had you know like the broadcast quality cameras you see on all the news helicopters. Yeah. We have those. So you had cameras in the plane that could mm-hmm. actually see down, mm-hmm. and the plane was high enough up mm-hmm. that they weren't like, "Hey, what's that plane?" Yeah, yeah. circling around. Well, in Afghanistan, we never got below ten thousand feet above the ground. Really? Yeah, two miles. Holy shit! So they don't hear you. Well, the, the Afghanis the can hear you because their ears are good. Oh, they can because they don't. They didn't. They're not subject to all the noise. Subjected to all the noise that we are here in the states. All they hear is quiet in the. Yeah, mountains. they just hear quiet. They hear all nothing. Yeah, so all this little stuff they'll pick up on, but they can't see it. So they're not sure if you're looking at them or the Taliban guy next door, right? Or down the block. But the money launderers, I bet Tim, think they're being all smart. Not and a cute. clue. They think, oh yeah, okay, and they're they're looking around yeah, like yeah. this, like they're not watching me. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> You're up there, yeah, just circling, 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 recording, 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 and then if we're there, bam. they're already going to jail. They don't even know it yet, right? Because wow. we got eight cars on the ground following these dudes around, right? And yeah. so we're just we're just building evidence on them over the course of time. So what you'll typically do, like if you're just cold, you got nothing going on, you'd go to one of those usual haunts like a Burger King. 
Oh, there's a whole bunch of them up there that they would usually meet at. Yeah. You'd see the guy walking around with a suitcase. You go, oh, let's just follow this guy for a while. Sure enough, car pulls up, eye contact's made, suitcase, suitcase changes hands. They might even go together someplace. And then as soon as they separate, you follow the suitcase, let them get far enough apart. And then you go, hey, you know, you, a couple <laughs> agents go up and, and do a soft stop on them. They're like, hey, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, plain clothes just like this. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, what's in the suitcase? You know, because we saw that other guy give it to you. Is it his? Is it yours? Yeah. And they're just getting a consent search out of the guy, you know, and so they're, you know, they're all uncomfortable. They're, you know, being questioned. So they're not really wanting to answer any questions. They walk right into it. Sure, you can look at it. I bet a lot of them try to talk their way out of it because they're like, okay, let me just come up with a good lie. Shake these guys, sure. and then okay, I'll get away with it. But as soon as they start talking, they're in trouble. Well, too, there a lot of these guys are from South America, so they send them up here, uh, you know, to just do uh, this and ferry yeah. stuff around. So they're not as savvy. So they're kind of mules. Yeah, oh, totally. Ah, oh, totally. So they're you know they're like it's not mine. I'm just moving it for a friend. Well, can we take a look inside? Sure, go right ahead. Oh, look, it's a bunch of money. Yeah. Tell your friend. We've got it, and he can come pick it up. <laughs> Tell your friend, right? <laughs> and that's where it begins. And, yeah. he, and so he starts rolling over. Well, who's your friend? And then before you know it, the case is going, and now we're following multiple, you know, cars. Yeah. So this woman, going back to the original story, Monica, it was a, it was a great case. She was the the boss. She was at the apex. Usually, you get money launderers, or you get the drug female smugglers. boss. Yeah, sort of like. Did you see Breaking Bad? I did not. I okay. did not. Yeah. yeah, there was a there was a female meth boss oh, no late in the series. Yeah, she was played very wow. well. But yeah, it was like it definitely didn't cut to the type that you would expect. Yeah. So Monica was laundering between a million and a half and three million dollars a week for fifteen years. Shit. I know, right? Where was the money coming from? Drugs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All drug money. So she would it. get the money. She would get the deliver the drugs through her guys. Disperse it, and then when the money comes back, they put it in a stash house, some pl- stash house someplace, and then from the stash house, it goes to you know back down to South America. So she's sending, you know, a million half to three million bucks. Of course, you know, wow. skimming some off the top yeah, for herself. Yeah, 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 of course, hazard pay. Yeah, and, and the only reason they got her was because her courier got sick that day, and she's like, "Oh, I'll do it." Oh, shit. just like that. <laughs> And down she goes. And down oh, well. she went. Would have been a good day to call in sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back to the idiot in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, right. he's a good one. <laughs> First question me and the guys on the radio show had was, how'd that guy get up there? And my thought was he must have stepped on the lower cowling of I, the That's engine. what I was thinking. You know, typically you'll taxi out. If you've got a long taxi, you're only starting one engine. Okay. And so he was, and he was on the left side. Normally you start the number two engine because everybody's boarding from the right. Okay. Or from the left, rather. So he's you push, on the push out with one engine, and then you'll, you'll push out and start the right engine as you're pushing. Okay, and then if you're in a hurry, like I always am, you'll start. <laughs> you'll start taxiing just on the one, and then start the other one on the way. If both engines are just at taxi speed, mm-hmm. would that suck you into them if uh, you were close? Enough? It wouldn't suck you in, but you'll 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 feel it. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I think you could get seriously hurt. I mean, all you got to do is touch those blades, and you're screwed. Right, and they're not far from the inside of No, that. I mean, they are coasting, right? The, you know, sure, sure, Getting sure. into the engine dynamics or how right. it's made, but still, you know, they're sharp. 
<laughs> you don't want to be there. Yeah. So the guy's up on the wing, and then he's trying to uh, climb up the wingtip. And I did a quick <laughs> Google search to get up to speed yeah. on these so-called winglets. And right. my God, there's a million different kinds. There are. And I remember when I was a kid, and, and I would fly as a kid and be fascinated, and I had my nose pressed up against yeah, the yeah. window the whole time. All the wingtips were flat. And then at some point, somewhere in the early 90s, yeah, maybe, yeah. they started to bend them up just mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bend up. Mm-hmm. Now they're all over the place, and the one, the 737 this idiot was on had a split scimitar. That's right, the scimitar, yeah. How about that? Do I get that? Yeah, it's very good, yeah, because I couldn't remember the name of it, so I'm glad you said it. Yeah, so obviously these things have some aerodynamic value. What is it? Well, there's two things, right? Uh, So at the end of a wingtip, right, uh, air pressure, right, the the way lift works. So if you're looking down the wing like that. You want the, more pressure under the wing instead of above it. Well, actually, what happens is the air has to travel faster over the top of the wing because these two particles of air are going to meet at the yeah. same... They're going to start hit the wing at the same point, and they're going to end at the same point. Right. The one that travels farther is going has to go faster, like you squeeze out a hose. Sure. Same amount of air is moving across, and because of that, it creates a low-pressure area. So probably 80% of your lift is from the air over the top of the wing pulling you up. Ooh. And maybe 15, right. you know, 20% is the push on the bottom. Okay. So the wingtip helps that. Oh, big time. So that, that high-pressure air underneath is trying to get over to the top because it's trying to find equilibrium. But they're, but they're all different kinds. There are. There's a bunch of they're so, so they're just noodling around with it. A little bit. Uh, the newest ones you'll see are like on the new triple, uh, 777X. Have you heard of that? No. So <clears> the 777X <throat> is the latest 777 version, and it's got a That's folding Boeing wing. product, right? Yep. And so on the tips, the winglets, uh, when it's taxiing around, are vertical, and then they swing them down. They discovered that they don't have to actually be up like that to accomplish the same thing. So they have movable. Yeah. So what they'll tips. do is, and the only oh, reason they're doing fancy. that, check this out, is because they have to, you know, gate space. Oh. The, they made the wings so big. Holy shit. That it would interfere with the gate next to It's like eight feet of an extension. That's funny. So if you do that on each end, you take, you know, now another airplane can't pull it next to you, so they have them fold up. Interesting. So they can fit into yeah. the you know the gates and not cost any more money. And generally, that's what they've concluded with the winglets. You know, if they could just make them straight out and sweep back a little bit, it accomplishes the same thing. Yeah. But because of gate space, it's easier to <laughs> just, just to point flip them up. them up. Yeah, and they look cooler. So if uh, if that idiot had somehow managed to just wedge himself to the winglet and then just hold on with super monkey strength. <laughs> And the airplane would get up to, you know, take off speed. Would him clinging to that fuck up the takeoff? Uh, probably not. He'd probably fall off before that. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, oh I'm he's perfectly balanced? He's balanced. He's got yeah. super monkey strength, maybe suction cups. Yeah, yeah. And he's hanging on for dear life. Would the plane still take off yeah. the way it should? Yeah, you'll feel a little bit. You probably have to put a little yoke into the opposite direction. <laughs> hey, we got seeds. It's pulling on the one side. Bob, what's going on with that? And then once you got airborne, <laughs> you could do some maneuvers yeah. and shake them off, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Get them off of there. Is that yeah. bad? God damn. That, that, that is crazy. That guy must have been on bath salts. Something. Or, or special needs those. person, I was thinking, this possibility. It could have been. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's some seriously aggressive behavior. Yeah. Well, look at Southwest. They hit the guy, what was it, a couple of months ago, landing in, where was it? Um, hit a guy. I hit a guy, yeah, this. on landing. Yeah, some I, guy crossed the fence. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, was walking down the runway Southwest. and got clipped by a wing. Oh, shit. Yeah, and that hey, was pal, that. there's an airport here. Yeah. Watch out. 
Just like that. They're like, oh, we heard a thump. We were like, oh, my gosh, it's a person. Yeah. You flew commercially mm-hmm. for a number of years. Yep. You flew for Continental? I flew for Continental. I flew for American Eagle. And what were the uh, bigger jets you flew? A 737. Okay. Good airplane? Oh, it's a great airplane. I Industry love it. Industry workhorse. How's yeah. that 737 Max, though? That's <laughs> the question. That's an interesting one. That, that was Boeing being cheap. Is what yeah. that was all about. It's such a fascinating story. I read about it. Basically, and correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. on this, or just fill in the, the gaps. They created a a new version of the 737 that was going to be able to cut through the regulatory framework that would take a lot of time and money. That's true. And they patched it with software. Yeah. That was going to make it more efficient. But yeah, bigger soft- engines. Yeah, bigger engines, and mm-hmm. the software is going to compensate for a lot of stuff. Except the software was fucking up. And they didn't train a lot of the pilots properly in other countries where they sold the 737 Maxes. Right. And then those poor pilots, like the one, like the two ones that went down were in Africa. Yeah, Lion Air, and I can't remember the other one. Someone else. And they were trying to pull up, and it wasn't responding, and they didn't get the memo, and the software was saying, I'm going to make the plane do something you don't yeah, want yeah. it to do. Thing crashed. Yeah. And then Boeing had to park them all, and to my knowledge, they're still on the ground. They just got released. The first flights, I can't remember. I think it's American is going to be flying them towards the end of, like in a week or two. Let me know which ones they are. <laughs> By the way, would you fly one as a pilot? Yeah, absolutely. You would? Yeah. So it's okay. what they did with the, the, the ones they sold overseas. There's a, a device on it called an angle of attack indicator that's feeding the computer and saying, hey, your, your nose There's is so high, your... you're about to stall. Right. Right. You're going too slow. Your nose is too high. If you keep this up, the airplane's going to. Sure. Stall. So that's what the MCAS, the, uh, I can't remember what it stands for, but that system yes. was designed to, uh, to without giving you any feedback in the controls or letting you know what's going on, correct for that and push the nose down. Over. Yeah, that's right. all it does. And that's what it did to those poor that's pilots exactly and those people right. on board. The MCAS, the computer program mm-hmm. said, down, and they didn't know it, and next thing you know, they're in an That's amount. exactly right. And the problem was, so what they did, because they were cheap, is they on the overseas ones, they only put in one angle of attack indicator and said, hey, if you want the second one... It costs more money. Exactly. Those fuckers. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. They're selling these airplanes that cost, what, $300 million? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And like, well, if you want two of them, yeah. that's the EX package. Yeah, yeah. That's another $100,000. <laughs> the, the, the seats are leather. It's nicer. It's <laughs> got a few trim notes. But you, yeah, yeah. you don't need that. It's Lion Air. It's, it's Africa. Yeah. Just get the flat one. Plus, they got these low-time pilots. This is, you know, they've gone right from a, like, right. a... You know, Beechcraft Baron that they learned to fly in Arizona in right into that thing, so they have no experience behind them. The other story, and I'm a big nerd about air disasters and whatnot, mm-hmm. was the uh, Air France flight that went down in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And the story on that, I think it was written in the Atlantic, was riveting to explain how it went down and why it went down, because it was some inexperienced pilots and a captain who decided to go take a long nap in the middle of the <laughs> yeah, night. Did yeah, you yeah, read about that? To, yeah, that it's whole been a thing? while. Yeah. And what was fascinating was that, you know, there's so much software in these planes. Yeah. Is that at some point, if you're not really good as a pilot about untangling what's happening, mm-hmm. you're fucked. Yeah. And so these junior pilots couldn't figure out what was going on. Yeah. And so the thing that doomed them was that the angle of attack mm-hmm. was too high. And so they were basically stalling their yeah, way down yeah. in altitude. They were gliding down like yeah. this, right? Just big old flat stall coming in. Right. But it didn't feel like anything. No. And they couldn't tell, yeah. right? And so every time that they tried to increase their airspeed, 
by nosing the plane a certain direction. Yeah, just nose it down. The the computer gave him the wrong feedback because it was beyond the angle that oh. it was even expected to be. So when they were making the right move, the computer said wrong move, and they couldn't untangle yeah. it. Yeah. And it kept going down, and they finally woke the captain up, and he came in, and the, the story was riveting. They said when the captain arrived, the cockpit was awash in warning signals. Yeah, so oh, all, great. all those things go beep, yeah. beep, beep, yeah. beep, 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 Like there's 18 different yeah. sounds. Yeah. It was lit up. Yeah. And the captain is like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? And basically panic yeah. ensued because they, yeah. they, yeah, they found the wreckage finally, which is hard to believe. It's mm-hmm. in the middle of the ocean. And they deciphered it all and they listened to it all. And there's transcripts of it. And it was like, holy shit. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. All that stuff is bad. And that's what fancy planes do. I also saw another air disaster that I had never seen before. It was like on the Weather Channel. Uh-huh. And it was about this Taka flight in New Orleans that landed on a levee. Oh, I didn't hear this one. Oh, it's good. You should yeah, look yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 737, Taka Airlines, a Mexican pilot with one eye. Right. In a rainstorm, they lose both engines oh, on a 737 oh, within minutes of getting airborne. It's yeah. like it's like the Mexican Sully Sullenberg. What were they flying through? Like a thunder, you know, like just heavy, heavy rain that caused that to happen? They don't know why the engines failed because yeah. they were basically brand new. Both of them caught fire, failed. Wow. Yeah. So they're trying to find a way to land and they mm-hmm. don't know where they're going to land. They think they're going to ditch in one of the waterways outside New Orleans. Yeah. At the last minute, the guy sees a levee. Yeah. next to it and it's flat enough yeah it looks long enough and he said fuck it we're gonna try this why not landed it on the levee in the rain didn't snap any of the landing gear wow nobody got hurt no damage no shit unbelievable wow right? and i'm like this is bullshit and then they did show real footage at the end of the documentary so yeah. it's like okay it was real wow they landed perfectly fine nobody's hurt it's a total miracle now here's where it gets even more interesting the plane's sitting there for a couple of days as investigators come onto the levee. They're like, all right, what's going on? It starts to sink in the mud because it's so heavy. <laughs> sure. It's just sitting there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, fuck, how are we going to get this thing off the levee? Right. You know how they got it off? <laughs> oh, uh, some inflatable something, balloons to push it up? They flew it off. Oh, with a helicopter? <laughs> no. Oh. They replaced the engines, Tim. No shit. And they somehow the ground was firm enough. Yeah, they could just and, push it up. And they got a pilot ballsy enough to go yeah i'll be a huckleberry yeah I'll fly that <laughs> why thing not off. how bad can it be and there's actual footage of the 737 intact on a levee outside new orleans taking off because it was going to be a huge pain in the yeah, ass yeah, to yeah. chop it up and haul it off and they didn't want to chop it up right right it was right. just the engines that were fucked up yeah that, oh my that god right. can you imagine that <laughs> i can't imagine being that. sporty enough to try that oh what the hell you know how bad can it be uh, exactly so the state of the airline industry now you were talking to me about this uh-huh. when the pandemic began and man it's a it's a world of hurt it is and it's a world of hurt for everybody and it is pilots and your mm-hmm. pilot friends obviously jobs are being yeah it was one of the few that got place. lucky and got uh picked up but uh, it's because we knew the people that hired us and been yeah. working for on it for a few years but everybody else my god when do you think it'll be back to what it was? Uh, Two years, uh, ten years, five years, yeah. never years? I, I know. I think it's not going to be that long. I think because okay. th- everybody wants – it's no different than, than shopping. We were down at Costco today. My wife and I were a little while ago. Where I, oh, this, the well, big spike in COVID. Nobody's I, going out. We're all grounded. That prior, place was packed. 
prior to this snowstorm, Tim, of yeah. course it's going to be fucking packed. That, well, that's true, too. Yeah. But still, I mean, you know, people are like, fuck this. I'm going out. You know, people yeah. have to make a living. All these small businesses have to work. I do believe that in a lot of ways, it's like the garden hose uh, analogy where there's we've kinked it up. Yep. The pandemic, but there's water still building up behind it. Yeah. When you let it go, it's going to come out big mm-hmm. time. People are going to travel like motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. I've been yeah. traveling already, uh, and I have no qualms about it. And it's amazing that of all the things you would have thought would have been risky and transmission vectors, mm-hmm. being on an airplane apparently isn't. Yeah, that's can, weird. Can you explain that? No, As I can't. As a pilot? Do you- yeah, because you recirc the air. There's your, The air is floating around. You know, it's the same air. Just getting recirculated inside because it's more but, efficient. But don't they don't they bring some air they do. in? They do. Yeah, you bring it through the engines. The bleed air comes off the engines, sent into the air conditioning packs. They're called. Okay. Which uh, you know compresses the air and expands it, and that cools it off or heats it up. <coughs> filters out all the fuel smell. I'm yeah, sure. all that yeah. stuff. I mean, you get it before all that, before the burn. It's in the compression section of a turbine engine. Okay. So all that bleed air. It's high pressure air. It's very hot. They cool it off. Send it into the cabin. But they still mix air around inside, and that sure. makes it a little more fuel efficient. Yeah. You know, no different than the winglets. It's all, everything's about trying to save fuel. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that it's not, uh, obviously, it's not as bad. Some airlines like uh, Southwest have been flying no middle rows. Others, yeah, they're done like, with that. Are they done with that? Oh, yeah, they're done. Okay, that's over. Yeah, you know why? Because they, they're like, hey, we're, we're tired of bleeding. So now what they've all done is they're, they've cut back on the number of flights, but those flights are all full. Right. So when I'm jump seating out to my plane, which is in St. Louis... I got a, you know, I'm going on United. You commute to St. Louis for yeah. your job? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. You fly to St. Louis to then get on a plane and, and fly start flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you recently flew a major college basketball team. I did. Across the country. Won't say who or where. Mm-hmm. On your Embraer, what is it? Uh, 135. So okay. we took him from, uh, what's that casino out in Connecticut? Uh, Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun. Yeah, we took him from there. Some tournament out there. So we took him there. And the problem was it was 11 o'clock at night. And at 10.30 at night, ATC calls, just puts out this note. You know what a notum is? No. Notice to airmen. Notum. It's like, okay. hey, these, you know, we're shutting down this, this, you know, there's a air, air space is closed. They closed down Los Angeles Center, which is where we were going. What? I know. We're like, what? And they're like, right at the time where we were supposed to land. So I had to slow down. I had to get the team on board and figure out how we're going to get them there, give them a nice ride. But slow it down. But slow it down so that we don't get there too soon. Otherwise, we're going to have to hold anyway. That Embraer, that's a that's a twin prop. That's a, a that's twin a twin jet. That's a reg, twin jet, mm-hmm. or is it a prop? It's a jet. Okay, and that's more for like regional routes. It you is. Could, you couldn't get across the country on that, could you? No, in this one you can't because we only have enough gas to get maybe halfway there. So we stopped it in Lincoln, Nebraska. At could you have gassed it up to get all the way? No. Oh, no okay. this, now the corporate ver- the the VIP version, which we also have, yeah, that has four thousand mile range, no problem with that. But it's only got thirteen seats. Oh, okay. So we took the, the team in a plane with 30 seats, and what we do is we give them more leg room in our, in our charter flights, which is what I do. I do predominantly charters. Right. So now everybody's got, instead of like 30 inches where that seat is like right at your knees, the one in front of you, Yeah. now it's like six or eight inches farther away. That makes a difference. It makes a bit. To these college but kids, you know, they're so tall. For they're basketball kids, it's oh still my. not good enough. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's better than nothing. You know, it's better than what they have on Delta. Wow, so you had to stop halfway to fuel up? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Major major college basketball team. I guess in a pandemic, you take whatever you can, and they're trying to find ways to get across the country. They are. They want to play games. And they want yeah. to play games. It's like kind of unusual to stop halfway. But and hey. they like us because of the legroom, because they're not getting it anyplace else. So even though it's a small plane and they have to stop once and get gas, they like stre- getting up and stretching their legs anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Go inside, hit the Coke machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be it right there. The, otherwise, you know, to me, flying has been fine. The times that I've done it, I'm not, you know, overly concerned about it. But it's funny to see people, Tim, with not only the masks, uh-huh. but the shields. <laughs> yeah, I like the, the welding shields that don't do anything. I'm tell, I, they do something for the people that wear them. Yeah. I guess it makes them feel yeah. safer. More I was I, The flight I was on recently to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I was in first class because it didn't cost much more than two bags. Right. That was nice. It was like first class is another 90 bucks, but you get two bags. Yeah. So I'm already $50 of the way there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw it. And this young guy, much younger than me, gets on. He's got the mask and he's got the shield. Yeah, yeah. And the first thing he does is he gets that alcohol yeah, packet yeah. and starts wiping everything down. Sure. And I just was like, no, boy, bro. I'm like, Whatever makes you happy, yeah, whatever yeah. makes you feel good. But people do it. You know, people are going to fly, and I think there's going to be a huge resurgence of it once we get on the I other think side so, of too. This. I think come the summertime, the flights are going to start picking up. Oh, big time, yeah. So anyway, the uh, from from a airline perspective, you talked as well about just the economics of flying with these big airlines. Because being a pilot, you know about the ecosystem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very challenging to, to make a buck flying it is so right now it's a little in the like in the charter world because what and we our company was correct everybody big companies you know are sitting there going well if we can put 30 people on this plane here they all know each other we're not around a bunch of strangers right we'd rather do that than get on with a bunch of yahoos on uh you know spirit so that's kind of a boon for the company you're working for now it sure is an increase in business whereas before they wouldn't Absolutely. They've bought a couple more planes. They're buying them. Do they really? Yeah. Yeah. We got like four more since the COVID hit, huh. which is nice. We just, we got new hires other than me and, and the guys on my project. We got some more new hires coming in. They're picking up some more essential air service routes. So Nice. Yeah. They're doing well. How many planes are out in the desert at that uh, place? A technical yeah. term, a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a madhouse. Where, where do we keep those planes in the desert? What state is it? Uh, uh, all so, over New Mexico, Arizona. Yeah, Pima down in Tucson has a bunch. The Pima Air Museum, but they're everywhere. You go to shoot any place which, that's dry, and there's a ton of airplanes. Macon, Georgia, there are shoot thirty Embraer one nineties sitting down there. Okay, well, uh, big planes too. Yeah, obviously. yeah, it's a decent sized plane. And so, what happens to? Like, I'd love to know the used car market for major aircraft. Oh. How does that work? Let's say, you know, you're super... I, I know some of the super rich will buy... I think, didn't John Travolta buy an old 707? 707, yeah, he sure did. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he was delivering toilet paper down at Katrina when we were there. Shows up in that thing. Here's, you know, boxes of Cokes and stuff. <laughs> so, if you want to buy a used, say, DC-10, because nobody Ooh. flies those anymore, right? Right. Or a Lockheed L-1011. I told you I was Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. that, you know? <laughs> yeah, you could probably get a really good MD price on that. Yeah. Or an old Boeing 727 that was so loud they couldn't take off after a certain that's, that's time. That's your problem. Yeah. Then you can't National fly National Airport. Yeah. 10 I'm o'clock, never, right? Yeah. 10 or 11, something like that. I was flying out of National Airport, now Reagan, Reagan Airport, yeah, Reagan yeah. National. And it was like the flight attendants were like... Get on and sit down. We've got to hurry up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if we don't take off by 10, we can't fly. We're done. Because the old 727s were so mm-hmm. loud, they would rattle the windows in Arlington. Yeah, yeah. And the city passed an ordinance going, hey, if you're going to fly these things, get uh, get in the air by 10 or yeah, fuck yeah. off. They were doing that at Burbank. That's where we took this team to. Bring Ooh. them out to Burbank, and they were like, hey, there's noise, noise things. We're showing up at 4 in the morning right. with the team. 
And uh, I was like, so I called up the, the airport manager. I was like, hey, can we come in here with this team? They're like, yeah, absolutely. As long as you're not stage two, which is the old seven twos, yeah, or earlier, then you can't take off. We're quieter than that, so it was not so we an got issue. Boeing's now, and we've got Airbuses. Mm-hmm. What else is flying worldwide? Are those the two major they're players? The two, they're the two big ones. You know, Embraer's participating a little bit. You know, is they that get a the French one, company, Brazilian, Brazilian Embraer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then also Canadair. So the A, the new A two twenty Airbus two twenty is yeah. actually a Canadair. Uh, what is it? C-Series they made. It's, you know, two seats okay. on either side of the aisle. It's supposed to be a great plane. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to get my hands on one. Who knows? Maybe you can talk to a company to buy one one of these days. Yeah. What is the uh, what is the next great thing in commercial airliners? Uh, I kind of like the 787. Okay. You know, they're all, they're all wondering what they're going to do with COVID. Um, Boeing's got to make a decision, too, on that, you know, because they got rid of the 75s. Okay. 757 and the 76s. Now, the 76 was kind of replaced by the 787, same size, basically. Yeah. But that, like, 220 to 270 seat range that was the 757, they need something in that market. What about the giant, what about the Airbus 380? Done. That was the double-decker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way across. Yeah. They, they're not making it anymore? They're going to stop. Yeah, if they haven't stopped already, they are stopping. That's like a 500-seat plane, right? Yeah. Yeah, I rode on one. You did. Yeah, when How I was it. Oh, it was a great ride. It was fantastic. Who wants to be on a plane though with that many people? Uh, gosh, I did because <laughs> it's so it was so comfortable. If you're, if you're a passenger though, yeah, I guess the thinking was, hey, if we can get this thing airborne and travel at X number of miles, right, and it's not taking too much fuel, more people, more money. That's what they were thinking, you know. And so Emirates was who I was. I rode on when okay. I rode it, and they're they're a really nice airline, you know. The, Seats are comfortable. Yeah, Emirates. Even in coach, they're pretty comfortable. you got a zillion channels to play with if you can stay awake. Of course, I popped an Ambien, you know, because I was going across the country, and I didn't realize the side effects of Ambien until, uh, you know, it didn't bother me, but the guy next to me, went, you know, was looking at me hor- horrified with this look on his face, probably because my hands were over my head. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's okay. I was on a sleeping pill. I took an Ambien, and he's like... <laughs> Emirates is really sweet. What yeah. other airlines are like? The best of the best. Is Virgin as good as they say it is? I don't know. I've never ridden on them. Yeah, I heard they're really okay. good. I heard uh, Etihad is really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Emirates is too. You know, they have that like sweet. You can get an apartment in those things, like a little mini apartment you can ride in. I've seen that. And they get a pretty penny for those. I bet they do. <laughs> From what I understand. Yeah. You got to be like one of those bloggers, you know, the YouTube guys like oh, Sam yeah. Chewy or, you know, one of those dudes. Yeah, the, the, where literally they fly in those things because it helps their follower count. It's exactly. almost a self-fulfilling thing. Yeah, and the companies want them to do it because they have so many followers, so it's advertising from the airline standpoint. Right. Sure, Sam, you can ride in that apartment as long as you give a review. And his every time he talks about an airline, it's always glowing. I think I, I think with this podcast, Tim, I'm going to get two free drink coupons, maybe. Yeah, there you I go. If I can play it right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to fly in an apartment <laughs> yeah. in one of the luxury <laughs> yeah. airplanes. All right. Uh, lastly, I wanted to talk about the Kobe crash because it's, oh, it's sure. been a long time since then. You yeah. and I corresponded via email about this. And my fascination with helicopters is also deep, but also my understanding of how they work is even thinner than it was with airplanes. You flew helicopters, mm-hmm. Blackhawks in the Army. What mm-hmm. else? Uh, S-76s, what he was flying in that day. Oh, you flew his actual helicopter. Type of plane, yeah. We had those okay. at, at CBP, Customs and Border Protection, here okay. in D.C., as a matter of fact. That's what we have. And that's a good copter. Great helicopter. Great helicopter, right? Yeah. So what happened? 
So the company that he was flying in, you know, they were in Southern California. Uh, they, there's two types of flight rules you can operate under. One's VFR, called, visual. Yep, right? visual flight rules or instrument flight rules. IFR. Yeah, in the clouds. Okay. Right? So they have, you know, overcast in Southern California where you need to fly IFR so infrequently that that charter company said, you know what? We're not going to train and keep you proficient in that because it costs us too much money for as little as you use it. Really? You are VFR only. Okay. So the pilots are rated IFR, but they're not current, they're not proficient, and the company is not cert- you know, authorized by the FAA to do IFR operations commercially. How hard is it to fly IFR? It's easy. Okay. If you're trained. If you're trained. If you're trained. Like if you went and got a private, if you went and got yourself a private pilot license, the next thing you should do is get an instrument rating. But if you tried to fly, when you're flying IFR, you have to totally trust your instruments because mm-hmm. you're seeing Absolutely. nothing but white out mm-hmm. outside your window. Mm-hmm. And you have to trust those numbers, know those numbers, believe in those numbers, and don't let your ears and your equilibrium and yeah, your it'll lie to you. It'll, it'll lie to it'll you. It'll fuck just, with you, right? You just stay on the gauges. Okay. So how did this guy commit such a tragic error, so, knowing the conditions were that bad? Yeah. I, I don't know what, what... Well, first of all, Kobe's got a reputation out there, had a reputation out there as being like, hey, Pushing you can do this. Envelope. You've yeah. got Come this. On, Come on, we, we got a concert. Not a concert. You know, man. Tournament to go to. You right. got to help us out. Yeah. And so, you know... He, you think he, the guy was sort of pressured into yeah, it? Like totally. he didn't That he didn't want to say, no, I can't do it. He, yeah, he was going to try. Because then, then he, that's the last time he flies for Kobe. That's which right. Would have, which is a good gig to have with oh, the company. Oh, yeah. The company is very happy about that contract. Right. So and he probably thought I can do it. Yeah. So he flies up. You know, he's up along. I don't know what highway it is. They're you know Burbank, Van Nuys, yeah. and wherever their their uh, their tournament was being played at, it just fogged in in that area. So yeah. you know the first rule in helicopter flying, and I've gone inadvertent IMC three times in a helicopter. And it's never fun. Inadvertent IMC is uh, when you're in VFR conditions and all of a sudden you. You pop into a cloud accidentally. And you can't see anything. Exactly. Now, all of mine were at night under night vision goggles, so you don't see the clouds. You don't have an opportunity to see them coming coming like you do in the daytime. In the daytime, if you went inadvertent, that's your own damn fault. That was a big mistake. Okay. You know, I've, and I have a million so times goes, landed in the field. So he probably went inadvertent IFR. Mm-hmm. So now he's in the clouds, and then he got into what's called spatial disorientation. It's The, the layer of clouds is maybe 500 feet thick, maybe. Yeah. He was only like 100 feet from pumping out of the top of the thing. Well, that's what blows my mind, Tim, is that, okay, you're in the clouds, you're freaking out, you're like, I got Kobe and his family yeah. and his daughters and this other beautiful family. Yeah. Let's just level out yeah. and go up. Yeah. Why that's not, what he should have done. How do you fly 200 miles an hour into a mountain? Because uh, you you lost you stopped looking at the gauges, so that transition between looking out the windows and everything is fine. You see, you know the terrain yeah. as you're turning and everything is fine. To going onto the gauges, it does take you know a little a bit of time to to your brain to wrap their head its head around. All right, all right I got to look at this. Can't I you just take your foot off the gas? <laughs> kind of. So you're flying. Shouldn't there be a button? There should. Has there should. To, okay. Ours had autopilot in. I don't know about that one. It didn't, apparently. Uh, well, it, that didn't help either. I, I think it didn't have necessarily all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. it perhaps should have. I don't know why there's not a button that stops a helicopter where it is, levels it, and gently goes up. Up, uh, yeah. One button called the, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm in you, trouble button. You kind of have that. There's a go-round button, and it'll... 
Really? Level, you know, it'll you know, just level and, and go up. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's what we had in ours. You could do that. A go-round. A go-round button. Same thing in airplanes, right? You have a go-round button. When you hit the go-round buttons on the airplane, the, the, the flight director, which is on your attitude indicator, rises like, you know, 10 degrees, nose high. You push the power forward. You hit the go-round button, and the autopilot will just fly that and just go up. Oh, man. Straight level, straight up, just going up. If only, right? If only. Yeah, what a tragedy that thing was. So he gets all disoriented. He doesn't know. He doesn't realize he's in a descent or a dive because he's probably looking all over the place instead of where he should be focusing right. on. Which is on the instrument. On the attitude indicator predominantly. Get your, I mean, this is what I taught in the Army. Get on the attitude indicator. Get the wings level. Pull in some power. And I don't care about your airspeed as much as I care about you climbing. Right. Climbing get, is good. Climbing is really good at that point. Yeah. You know, the hell of the job. You can find another one. You were looking for one when you got hired there. Have you seen some of these uh, man-portable um, drones? They're now inventing these quadcopters yeah, that yeah, yeah. run on software. Yeah. They're badass. I love them. Yeah. How they, soon before we're all flitting around in those? They're, I think they're doing it in Dubai. Somebody's trying to do that as the first place. Not surprising. Would you get in one? Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're a helicopter pilot, yeah, yeah. but you, what, how much control over it would I don't have? think you have any control. Would I think it's like a taxi, right? You're just sitting in the back, you know, the thing that's yeah. GPSing its, its way it's down the, the highway. It's all the and the software and everything else. But it's, you know, it's eight individual motors on that. I think that thing had eight. I've seen ones with four strong motors that can lift a single person right. inside a little bubble. But um, at some point, you got to wonder, like, how can you trust those? Because it's all software. It's all communications. Yeah. Glitches. Yeah, especially right out of the blocks. You know, you know, there's going to be accidents early on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Be like, uh, be like Harrison Ford landing on the wrong runway. That's another aircraft yeah, or a golf story. course. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Is how that do bad? They, how do? How did, let him, how did he not have his pilot license yanked? <laughs> yeah. I guess it's Harrison Ford, right? I think he crashed his helicopter, too, at one yes, point, right? he's a disaster. Yeah. And he's like, oh, sorry, the the, the uh, air traffic guy's yelling at him, like, you're on the goddamn <laughs> runway. Get off the runway. Oh, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, God. Oh, man. Good times. Well, look, um, anything else we have not covered tonight in our impromptu slapdash covering of all things aviation and otherwise? I don't know. Do you want the giant stadium story? That's a good yes. one. You do want that one. Okay. Let's hear, let's hear it. So, so I wrote this to you a long time ago. I don't know if you remember. but It's a flyover for yeah. the Super Bowl. So uh, it was not for the Super Bowl. It was uh, opening game 2003. Giant stadium in the Meadowlands. The Meadow, yeah, back when it was at the Meadowlands. Right. And we get a phone call, and they say, hey, Tim, you're going to be flight lead. you got to take a flight of five over the stadium, Monday night football. What are you flying? A black hop. Okay. So there's going to be a flight of five of you, like people can see you at night, but this is what they want. And what they want is, you know, a national anthem, helicopters go by, fireworks, opening game of Monday night football. Kickoff, yeah. Is that game. So sure enough, you know, I, I go down there the day before. I'm like, all right, where am I going to start this thing at? 90 seconds is the anthem. Go to the Vince Lombardi service area, 80 knots. We had just come back from a deployment. Did I mention that? So we're like, you know, so we're used to flying kind of low. Mm-hmm. So the guy I'm with, and I'm an instructor pilot, so I'm watching him fly. Well, before we even get to there, to there uh, you know, I have kind of a potty mouth. <laughs> so we go over to Teterboro Tower. And we're like, hey, this is us. We're over, you know, the George Washington Bridge. And I'd like to cross over the stair, the, you know, the such and such route and pick up the, what the fuck is it called? The Sierra Meadowlands route. That's it. Go to the stadium. And I phrased it exactly like that. And the guy I'm with says, hey, you just said fuck in the radio. I'm like, I did? 
He goes, yeah. He said, what the fuck is around? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> My bad. What are they going to do? So wait a minute. Is that is that frowned upon in aviation? It's, it's an FCC violation. It just is? Like, just like for you in the radio. Really? Mm-hmm. But it's just air traffic. Yeah. Oh, for fuck. Yeah, I, know, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care at all. All right. So we go down there. He's flying. We hit the, you know, the Vince Lombardi service area, start the stopwatch. 90 seconds exactly later, he climbs to get over the, the flagpoles of the stadium so we don't run into the side of it because yeah. we're kind of low. Yeah. And we, I look down. I'm like, oh, check it out. They're practicing. That's pretty cool. We get past the stadium, turn the other way. I should mention that it was the anniversary of 9-11. Oh, my God. So we turn, he turns the aircraft towards the racetrack. I'm like, hey, dude. This is probably not the best way to turn, you know, horses. We're going to spook them. Can I, can I have the airplane in a second? Sure. Put it on its side. Accelerate. Go next to the stadium. Start the clock again. 90 seconds later, exactly, we're at the Vince Lombardi service area. I'm like, great. We got the start point. Now we have another, for our two-hour flight, we've got an hour and a half to kill. Okay. So why don't we go over, remember the celebrations of 9-11? Yeah. In Patterson that we're having? Yeah, I know yeah, where yeah. that street is. I'm, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. So we decided to visit in our Blackhawk. Nice. <laughs> yeah, at 50 feet. <laughs> so, <laughs> 50 feet. So we go over the top of that and make a little bit of noise just to remind them what country they're in. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm still bitter about that. Still am today, for that matter. Sure. So we do that, go back to the office, don't think anything of it, and life is good. The next day, I have to fly back to the stadium. We're going to meet with the public affairs officer and all that kind of stuff. So I'm up on top of the aircraft pre-flighting, and my old boss at customs calls. He says, hey, Timmy, it's Pat. Pat, what's going on? How you been? He goes, hey, were you over Giant Stadium yesterday? I was like, yeah. How'd you know? He goes, yeah, he goes, it was in every newspaper. You scared the team. They canceled practice. They thought we were getting attacked again because it's the anniversary of 9-11. Holy shit. That's what I said. I was like, oh, fuck, I am so dead. Wow. How am I going to get out of this? You know, I'm, but somebody had to approve your, your practice flight. Oh, they did, yeah. That wasn't you. I, I would have said, talk to the people who yeah. scheduled me. <laughs> Fuck off. Exactly. I'm just a pilot here. So I run up to that guy that did approve it, the commander, yeah. who's flying with me that day to the stadium Yeah. to go talk to the public affairs guy. He thinks it's funny. I don't think it's funny at all. I'm like, I'm fired. I'm not going to get hired back to customs. I'm going to be in the Army for the rest of my life. Ugh, I'm so upset. Get out to the stadium and tour, well... Before we get, meet anybody, you know, we go to the, the front gate at MetLife Stair, Giant Stadium, and there's this old guy, and there's a security guy there. And I'm, I'm angry anyhow because of this whole thing. So we yeah. get up there, and he goes, oh, you should have been here yesterday. I'm like, really? Why is that? He goes, because this Apache, it's a Blackhawk, yeah. flew over the stadium and scared the shit out of everybody. They canceled practice. Everybody went home, and then he, he turned towards the racetrack, and then he turned back around. We had the external... Uh, ox tanks. Oh. It's just fuel. They, he goes, but they, they thought they were bombs. Yeah, exactly. He goes, they pointed the bombs at the practice field. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he, fuck. He thought, he thought some terrorist had gained control yeah. of a Black Hawk and was going to go murder the Giants yeah. as they fucking <laughs> Exactly. Practiced. I'm like, is that now, right? No, you don't, need the, you don't need a Black Hawk to murder the Giants. Yeah. You just need a good <laughs> yeah, AFC Central team. That'll do it right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was bad. So I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm so fucked. I'm gonna, this is it. I'm dead. And then he goes, and then they landed over, there's a bomb, he goes, there's a bomb scare at the horse track. I'm like, great. Oh, for God's sake. Can it get any worse? And then he goes, and then they landed. And I was like, they landed? 
Yeah. Who was it? He goes, it was the FBI. I'm like, it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> really? And then every person we talked to, the public affairs guy, every, you know, all the, they'd all come up and they go, yeah, we had a little incident here yesterday. A little incident, yeah. And, and as soon as they said that, I would go, yeah, we heard it was the FBI. And the whole thing would go <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The whole thing died right there. You know, it's almost like when didn't Obama's guy schedule a photo op with Air Force One? They did, buzzing. over lower Manhattan. And I've got to say this, the photos were spectacular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great pictures. But they didn't tell anybody. Nope. And it was right around 9-11, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, holy shit, what's going on? Did somebody, is this a Harrison Ford movie? Did somebody hijack right. Air Force One? Right, exactly. People were spooked. Yeah, good pictures, though. Oh, Anything yeah? for a good photo. You know me. <laughs> yeah, whatever it takes. All right, Tim. Thanks for stopping in. Yeah, I appreciate my pleasure. It. It's great to talk to you. I'm glad you're flying again. Me too. And uh, we'll get we'll get this nation back up and moving yeah, soon Yeah, we will. Enough. Get everyone out there flying, for God's sakes. I'm, I'm with you, brother. All right, man. Cool. Good talking to you. All right. Can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Why can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? No, no, no. I mean, we can't land for another two hours. Fog has closed down everything this side of the mountains. We've got to get through to Chicago. 